when you have, uh, as Eisenhower said, when you have a, a, a military-industrial complex, if you have a really, really big stick, the person who's holding that stick is going to be really itching to use it somewhere. Hmm. And uh, and I know that that's true, because mm-hmm. that, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And... I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Dave, have you read the Harry Potter books? I have read all of the Harry Potter books with my kids. We enjoyed it. We took our time. It was a family good. event. Good, good, good. We watched the movies after we read the book. Good. It was like, uh, yeah, it was it was a big part of their childhood. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that, but I'm glad. Catherine and I just watched, my wife and I just watched um, the most recent of the movies of the um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah. The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh-huh. I was so disappointed. Yeah. They're not as good. They're not nearly as good. And I lost have, track after that. They've been getting yeah. progressively worse. The first one in that series uh-huh. I thought was was good, very good. And they've gotten progressively worse. And this this most recent one, the yeah. Secret of Dumbledore. Yeah, I, I think I've, I've lost track of it. It's actually. awful. Yeah, I've, I've it's, checked out. I, I'm sorry. On the other hand, the Harry Potter books are, I think, absolutely wonderful. Yeah. And I have read them many, many times. And I've read a lot about them. Um, and uh, one of the things I think is interesting about those books is that they, if you want to just have a fun read and for kids, or you just want to go right. to the beach and you know, have a fun beach read or something, yeah. they are, they're a fun romp, a, a great story with great characters. However, if you want to really do a deep dive and reflect yeah. and think carefully, these seven books... Yeah. reward incredible amounts. They stand is, up to incredible scrutiny. This is hilarious because this is this is the difference in our personalities. Okay, right? tell me. So um, I read them with the kids. My wife read some, I read some, and we enjoyed them as a family. And I picked up on stuff, right? I picked yeah. up on things here and there like Professor Lupin. Lupin is Latin for wolf. Yes. Yeah, So and, and, and he's and a what, werewolf. And he's a werewolf. Yeah. Exactly. So I would pick up on some stuff like that, but I yeah. never had the impetus to go like research the different names and see if I could get all the little details, which you clearly have done. There's, there's no yeah. need for you to, and I'm, right. I'm, not, I'm not, you're going to bring it to me right now. I'm going to, I want to yeah. tell you about some of the names, Yeah, but, um, she has, has put an enormous amount of time and thought and effort into this. Yeah. Her, her, um, master's degree is in medieval literature, French medieval literature. Uh-huh. And so she's using these, these kinds of things. And so, yeah. um, so okay. I'm I'm going to enjoy your nerdery right now. <laughs> I'm going to geek yeah. out with you. Yeah, geek um, it out, man. So, um, Harry's Quidditch team um, in the first four books. Oh man, go ahead. <laughs> okay, uh, you're choking on your beer there. It's I coming am. up a second time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready now. Harry's Quidditch team. His first, in the first four books um, for the players. Uh, that play very little role in the books hmm. um, are um, Oliver Wood. Okay. Okay. Um, which is interesting um, that uh, Olive Wood uh-huh. um, is the so what? Okay. Here's what she's doing. This is interesting. I'll I'll, I'll give you the the headline at the beginning of this. Yeah, this and that is she is um, putting. Uh, uh, Oh, they're, they're all names that indicate that she's building a cathedral, a church. Hmm. 
in a, in a Quidditch team. Mm-hmm. Olive wood is in in uh, especially medieval architecture is the preferred uh, wood for pulpits uh-huh. and pulpit carving um, because of the connection with the Bible and with the olive tree. And yeah. Jesus talks so much about the olive trees and that sort of thing. So Oliver Wood is the pulpit, um, uh-huh. Oliver Wood. Uh, Alicia Spinet is another one. Spinet is the word for organ. I think that's Latin. I think it's Latin. Okay. And it means organ. Katie Bell uh, refers to a church bell. Uh-huh. Uh, Angelina Johnson. Angelina means little angel. Which is which is very common carving mm-hmm. uh, in in these and places. And what does Johnson mean? Johnson is the son of John. <laughs> oh come on now, get your mind uh, out what, of the gutter. What are you, I, I just asked a question. Yeah. Good grief! <laughs> I'm being attacked here. Um, in book five, the uh, there's a there's a new replacement, a new a new uh, player on the Quidditch team whose uh, name is Kirk. Do you know what Kirk means? Church. Church. Yeah. It's the German word for church. And so all this stuff is, is on purpose. I mean, she's yeah, doing yeah. this on purpose. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So do you remember the character of Argus Filch? Yeah. Do you know who Argus Filch is? Yeah. Um, he is the... Um, uh, groundskeeper, right? Groundskeeper, yeah. yeah. So he's a squib um, that in, in the Harry Potter world, right. that's someone who is non-magical, but is part of the magical world, right? And so he's wandering the halls, constantly looking for rule breakers. He's right, a, He's right. kind of crotchety old... Old right. guy, right? Rule enforcer, yeah. sure. So in Greek mythology, Argus is the 100-eyed giant who is always watching mm. and constantly on on yeah. patrol. On the prowl. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, do you remember uh, Argus Filch's cat? Uh, what was the name of that thing? Mrs. Norris. Norris. Mrs. Norris. Mrs. Norris um, is... Uh, Chuck Norris's wife. <laughs> Is uh, a character in one of Jane Austen's books, hmm. uh, Mansfield Park, um, and has almost the exact same personality okay. as well. Uh, Rowling has talked at length about how uh, Jane Austen is her favorite uh, author. Yep. What so is the JK? I don't know. You don't know her name? Your geekery has a limit? I, yeah. Okay. Uh, but I do know that she she did that because... Uh, women authors, female authors, especially in children's literature, are not very popular. Hmm. And so when she was trying to uh, get published to begin with... um, She wanted to keep it somewhat uh, on the DL. Also because she has said, because she loves the works of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis. And J.R.R. Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien. And so she did the same thing with her name D.A. Well. Carson. <laughs> lots of people do that, don't they? Yeah, lots yeah. of people do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know the uh, character of Sirius Black. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Sirius is the name of the constellation in the sky, the, mm-hmm. the dog star. Uh-huh. And what does he turn yes, into? Yes, he's a dog. A dog. What color dog? Black dog. Uh, black dog. So yeah. Sirius Black is the black dog you've already talked about uh, remus lupin yeah um lupin is means uh wolf, wolf. yeah yeah, yeah. Wolf. um let's see uh xenophilius love good uh-huh you know what you took some greek do you know what xenophilius means uh phileus is love of that's right xenus would be uh, a multitude stranger 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 so uh, he's someone who loves the strange or loves the stranger. Gotcha. 
And that's exactly who he is. That's exactly his character. Um, Neville Longbottom. You know what Neville means? Wait a second. Yeah. Longbottom? Yeah, that's his last name, Longbottom. You know what Neville means? No. So, Vil means village. So, like, uh, you know. Like New Village? So, it means, actually, ne in, uh, this is coming from French, so it means no, no village. So, he's... He's from nowhere. Uh huh. That's what. That's the idea. And Longbottom, that's hard to say. Mm. But there's several things that you could think of with Longbottom. Um, you know, he's big at the bottom, which may refer to his physical size, or it may refer to his caste, or something like that. His his uh, socioeconomic. Um, anyway, he's a, he's nobody from nowhere. That's what that that's what that means. Long bottom. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But then, of course, he grows into becoming one of the heroes. A hero. A, yeah. a major, major hero in the story. Uh-huh. And that's a huge piece of her kind of story arc for so many of the characters, and especially for him. Uh, what about Voldemort? So you know a little bit of French. Do you know, think about uh, the French language and what Voldemort might oh, mean. Oh, gosh. French is way back in the... Uh, so Mort is death. That's correct. Uh, Vold- and it means that here, too. Voldemort. I don't know what the f- first part is. Yeah. So it means um, flight okay. or fear. And uh, the duh is from, right? So fear of death mm-hmm. or flight from death, either one. Uh, and that is absolutely his most defining sure. characteristic. Yeah, is that he is um, trying to escape death mm-hmm. at all costs. Right, and that's actually a humongous theme of all seven books, and this, each individually right. as well as the entire story arc is right. th- is the question: Are there things worth dying for? Yeah, and of course, her answer in the story is yes. There are things worth dying for, uh-huh. and when you decide that death is the worst possible thing that's when you become evil Mm. and that's what that's what Voldemort is a self-preservationist totally yeah that's right that's right consistently in every book Voldemort is trying to save himself Mm -hmm. even as he uh, kills and hurts others and Harry in contrast is constantly risking his life to save others right and so there's the anyway uh, the juxtaposition yes Voldemort has no nose, so I don't know why he wants to keep on living. Indeed. Yeah. 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 And Harry has a big nose. So, well, no, not really. Huh. Um, I'm, maybe they're not as juxtaposed, but whatever. Okay. okay. What about the Malfoys? What does Malfoy mean? M- Mal means bad. Correct. Um, Foy? Uh, oh, gosh. You're really stretching the French, man. It's reaching way back in time. Faith. I think that's actually Latin. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, so... Uh, Malfoy means bad faith Hmm. or maybe faith in what's bad. Mm -hmm. One of those two. And of the Malfoy family. Yeah. Right. So the Malfoy family. So uh, we have Draco. What does Draco mean? Dragon. Correct. Or serpent. Uh Right. Um, Lucius. Lucius. uh, That's Draco's dad. Yeah. I knew this at one point. When I was reading the book, I, I remember thinking. Yeah. Lucius. So this is actually probably coming from Hebrew. Help me out. I'm not. So this is the same root as Lucifer. Okay. And so. Yeah. Right. And so it's. Yeah. Um, it's it's referring to an angel of light. Yeah. And and uh, yeah yeah. Then we also have another person in the family, in the Malfoy family, is Narcissus. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an easy one. So that's an easy one. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah, you know, someone who's a narcissist. Totally. Is into themselves. Into themselves. Comes from the Greek. 
Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Greek myths. What about Severus Snape? Severus. So you probably, this is a little bit more difficult, but in older English, Sna- the word Snape means to chastise or to rebuke. Mm-hmm. And so Severus is just the Latin form of severe. So yeah. Severus Snape is a severe rebuke uh-huh. or severe chastisement. And of course, that is absolutely consistent with his character sure. in, in lots of ways. Yeah. We, I could go, I'm not going to, I'll stop there, but we could go on and on and on right. with so many of these characters. She has been very, very deliberate in, in uh, putting meaning into sure. their names, but not just that, but that illustrates so much of what she's doing. And somebody asked her, I remember when I was, uh, after the first couple of books came out that she, somebody asked her, you know, so many people are burning your books. And I had f- people in my family that were very anti Harry Potter because they were magic and they were right. whatever. She's actually a Christian. She's a Presbyterian, a uh, member of the Church of Scotland, and her right. children are baptized. She's she's active in her church. And so somebody said, you know, Christians are burning your books. Um, can you be really clear with us about your own faith? You you are a Christian, but then Christians are burning your books. So what's that about? Um, can you tell us really clear? Because she hadn't been real clear. She go, It was obvious, you know, when she goes to right. church on Sunday, she's obviously a Christian, um, uh, in, at least in some sense. And so, but she hadn't talked much about her faith. And in that interview, she said, if I talk about my faith, my own faith journey and what I believe, then this was after the fourth book had come out. She said, then everyone ages eight to 80 will know the end of the story. Right. Which means that she's telling us, she told us then, and this is borne out very, very clearly. Right. That the story of Harry Potter is is the story of her her spiritual faith, her her Christian, Christian faith, and it's become very, very clear now. And so, it, yeah, or, or it's just the storyline of, of yeah. Jesus and the conflict with totally. evil. And yeah, yeah. And she's did that very deliberately. I, I know some people who were so anti Harry Potter um, and didn't really grasp this concept. You know, that yeah. it was all, yeah. oh, it's about magic and werewolves and yeah. this is not yeah. us. Yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is, can't you interact with a metaphor, you know, and see that the story is talking about greater truths and yeah. and beauty and the storyline of the gospel. And yeah. of course we knew how it was going to end. And she was just alluding to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you know that she was a billionaire and she gave so much money to Christian ministry that she is no longer a billionaire? Well, she might be now again. I don't know, but, uh, Oh yeah. She has given massive amounts, massive amounts. Uh, and yeah. even in percentages, She's she's mm-hmm. uh, she could be one of the wealthiest pre- people in the world, and she's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Good for her. That's right. She has recently gotten into trouble um, with a lot of folks by saying, uh, by, by her comments about transgender people and Dumbledore being gay. So was those are one of the big yes, and those are very different people that she's gotten in trouble with, uh-huh. right? So some when she said when she came out and said Dumbledore is gay. Uh, based on one of the, you know some of the movies as they're being shown, mm-hmm. uh, she got in trouble with some people, and then now she has criticized transgender people, um, and, and it been more conservative than what a lot of liberals would mm-hmm. like her to be, mm-hmm. and so she's gotten in trouble. So nobody really likes her. Um, <laughs> well, no, no. Yeah. Let me put it this way: she's been criticized by both the right and the left on uh, sexual identity issues, right? And I, I can appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, she believes what she believes, and um, and she stands up for it, and is not being swayed by folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and her Christianity. Um, I don't think you could write the Harry Potter story without being a Christian. It's it's just yeah. so clear. She does something that is incredibly rare 
in literature where she has her hero win because of his weakness yeah. rather than despite his weakness. Victory through death Yeah, that's sacrifice. Right. The typical story, yeah. and it's a story I love, the typical story in these epic stories like this is winning despite your weakness. And maybe the one that I like the best about this is Rocky, who, you know, who's, mm-hmm. who's uh, not a great fighter and he's left-handed and he comes up in a poor neighborhood, but he works really hard and he overcomes his obstacles in mm-hmm. order to win. Great story. That's how so many stories go. Um, but what she has done and what we see in The Lord of the Rings and some others as well yeah. is it is through the weakness right. that the victory comes. And that's what the gospel is. Yeah. And it's very hard to write a story that way. And it doesn't happen by accident. And she has done that so clearly yeah. and beautifully. Do you think um, in her portrayal of Dumbledore that she sees Dumbledore as a Greg Johnson character or is she advocating for church's acceptance of the practice of homosexuality? I don't think that she is advocating one way or another. She's unclear. Right. Uh-huh. She did, um, she has written Dumble in, in the, she didn't have anything about his, it's interesting that she had him uh, in the books, in the Harry Potter books, she had him in her mind as a gay character, um, even though he has, he is not particularly a sexual person. I mean, right, in, in the right. sense that everyone has sexuality, but there's sure. nothing about his right. romantic or sexual interest, anything, at, all. interest yeah. at all. He, she just has in his, in her mind. Then in the books that, I mean, in, in the movies, so she's written these uh, uh, screenplays for the, the uh, prequels, the, uh, the fantastic beasts and where to find them. Right. Um, she has him as a, with, with um, romance, um, but walking away from that and saying, that's not what's important in life. And so mm-hmm. she's not at all making a comment as to whether um, being gay or even acting out in gay, uh, acting out in homosexual sex is good or bad. She's not making a comment about that, but saying this can be a part of your identity without it being core to who you are. Actually, there's much, much more to who a person is than their sexual preference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I, I think is wonderful. Right. It's wonderful. She's not a theologian, and she's not trying to push an agenda about that. Right. But I love the, I, I really do love the idea of saying that someone's, um, sex, someone can be uh, oriented a particular way sexually, and that's not the main, th- uh, you know, a sexual minority, and that's not the main thing about them. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what makes them good or bad. It, Dumbledore is this amazing character, and yeah. his sexuality doesn't even play into it. It's a, almost an afterthought. You know, it, it's interesting you, you bring it up from that perspective, or she's bringing it up from that perspective. Because what I see in society yeah. is kind of the opposite. When someone, right. Yeah, when yes. some, well, in both, on both sides. Yes, totally. Because um, there are people who are trans or gay or whatever, and, and their whole existence yeah. is wrapped up in this. Totally. They can't think of anything else. It's like the, it, it identifies them completely. And then if you get you get uh, conservatives who, right. who if someone is somehow hinted at that they are gay or trans or queer in some way, that's all that that's person. That's all that they are. That all yep. of a sudden that is they are nothing except that. Yeah. And so on both sides. Now, so, so she has taken this character and said that is something that's true about this character I have created, but that's not. It's not even. It's not even worth mentioning in seven books where he's a main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am curious. 
about her perspective, though. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and she's not... I am okay with with her not defining that in public. Sure. Honestly. And she has not. As, as best I can uh-huh. tell, she has not addressed that exactly. Because she's not. A, she's a storyteller. She's not a theologian. She's not a, you know, mm-hmm. uh, let the stories stand for themselves. Those are her work. And, yeah. And I and I, I love it. I could talk forever about Harry Potter. Yes, you are a nerd. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Very good. Hey, if you got questions or, or uh, corrections about Harry Potter, we would love to... Uh, hear them. I would love to hear them. Maybe Dave doesn't. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I always love interacting with folks about Harry Potter. Write us. Hey, this is Dave with the Hopper Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Willie and I sure do enjoy this, and we hope you're enjoying it too. If you like this podcast, we sure could use some help. It costs money to keep this thing rolling. You can give at patreon.com forward slash the Hopper Podcast. You can also go on your mobile device and swipe the cover art, and there'll be a a line there that says support the Hopper podcast. We sure could use some help. We appreciate it. Thanks. Hey, Willie. Yeah. I just uh, listened to the episode that just dropped about gun culture in the U.S. Yeah, sure. And I think we need to follow up because I was a little bit unclear. Okay. Tell me. And, yeah, so I I, uh, I hear your point that we have an, a unique situation, the way our country formed and its initial reliance upon guns and how we now have a gun culture. Yeah. I was, um, I think I was confused about where you were headed with that. When I listened back to the episode, I wanted you to clarify a few things. Okay. Um, do you think that gun ownership is only and expressly for the purpose of a militia? You believe that's what the Second Amendment only is re- is referring to. Oh, when it comes to the Second Amendment, yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. That's the right that's given to us by the Second Amendment is for a militia. I think only. Now, I've said real clearly that the Supreme Court has disagreed with me about right. that, and so that's not the law of the land. I get that, but I don't think that the. Um, I think there is a right in our culture, and I hope that there is for people to use guns for uh, for hunting. Uh, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that the uh, uh, the writers of the Constitution and the framers of the Constitution assumed that that would always be the case. But what they were afraid of, as they've talked you know, at, at length we see in the writings, is that the state would come and take people's guns so that there could be oppression. And that's mm-hmm. what they were afraid of. And so they're saying, no, well, that's not going to happen. We, we want to make sure that states can defend themselves against the federal government. So I guess what I'm... I'm wondering if you are trying to lead without actually saying it if you're trying to lead listeners to the point where they can't have a gun in their home if there is a well-regulated militia there's a, a an armory that has everyone's gun that's you know downtown or you know it's some municipality n- nearby it's affiliated with some federal or, or I mean sorry state run uh, government you know, is that is that kind of where you're headed? I don't think that's a good idea, but I think that that would be allowable by the Second Amendment. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hmm. so when it says the the right to uh, bear arms shall not be infringed, uh-huh. you think that's because the 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 reason given is the the, nece- the necessity for a militia. I don't Correct. think we I don't think we we have the necessity for a militia exactly. Well, right now we don't because uh-huh. we have a federal 
army. But that's precisely what the framers of the Constitution and the writer and the adopters of the Bill of Rights mm-hmm. there were trying to protect against that we should never, ever, ever have a standing army in the at the yeah. federal level. Yeah. Well, times change. They and, do. Yeah, things change. So and and the Constitution. I think should change as a result. We've changed the constitution. That's what amendments are: is changes sure. to the constitution. So we've changed the constitution a bunch to keep up with what's good and right. And I think that we should change the constitution in this sense as well, because I don't think that the Second Amendment applies to us much anymore because of our uh-huh. massive, massive. Okay, this is gu- this is what army. I was trying to, to yeah. because when I listened to the episode, you yeah. were you were touting the need for a militia. Like we need a militia. A oh, militia oh, is oh. going to be what goes and handles the problem in the woods with the you know the, the wackadoos with their guns a militia is going to oh, be oh i see yeah, i see and yeah, so, yeah and i don't i don't think that you really want a militia i think that you were you were uh, so well uh, right now that's not practical so i given a different history of our country i i don't know what i would want but right now no that's obviously not practical and i and i'm not advocating for that but that's how our founding fathers uh envisioned things to happen yeah yeah, which I think is kind of well. I don't. I'm not sure that that's really important at this point in history. Fair enough. Um, so, so I'm just. I guess I'm trying to get you to say what you want to say about guns to the to our population. <laughs> okay. To our listeners, because I don't think you. I don't think you've done that yet. Yeah, I guess I'm still. Uh, I'm not sure what I think yet about what needs to be done. I'm mostly. Uh, frustrated by people who don't understand the way that our gun culture has come to be mm-hmm. and standing up for the second amendment uh the second amendment is not a, a, i got folks um my neighbors just go out and just shoot their guns on a regular basis i don't know mm-hmm. what they're shooting at but it's you know i'm in i'm in rural kentucky right now yeah. with farms all around but i can hear gunshots when i was living in inner city st louis uh, you know, that was in, on a, in a neighborhood that was controlled by a gang. I also heard gunshots on mm-hmm. a regular basis. Yeah. Okay. I don't like either one of those. Those make me uncomfortable. Um, and so that, but that's the second amendment is not talking about, oh, I have a right to just go shoot my guns. Um, but I think people think that is, and I guess I'm trying to critique that. Mm-hmm. What do I want to happen with guns? I don't know, but I know that people having guns, uh, let's see. We regulate cars way more than guns, and I think that's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that we need to regulate guns more, but I don't want to get rid of guns. I think we need a lot more regulation on guns mm-hmm. because they are so dangerous and have done so much damage. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I want people yeah. to use guns safely. I'm happy right. for people to have guns, but they are so unregulated they are they're dangerous mm-hmm. yeah right back when in the in the 60s and 70s well when you and I were born when you came home from the hospital i don't know how your parents transported you uh in the car uh but you know uh we, we i know that i was brought home from the uh, hospital in a car that had a car bed that my parents bought a car bed and the it's just like a i don't know basically there was no car seat that's what right. i'm saying right. there were no car seats and uh Certainly there were no laws, but they weren't even car seats available when you and I were born. And shortly after that, right. they started to have car seats, and then they became mandated. And seat belts, okay, now that's mandated. And, you know, all these other safety features, now that's mandated. And our uh, safety, and that happens because, that happened because, wait, wait a second, tons and tons of people are dying 
needlessly. So let's put in an enormous amount of regulation so that we can save lives. I think that kind of thing needs to happen with guns as well. Do we get rid of cars? No, 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 no. Do we get rid of guns? No. But we need some safety measures and regulations to go along with it. You got to have mm-hmm. a license. You got to have. I don't know what all the regulations are exactly, but right something. I think, yeah, I think we agreed on that uh, a yeah. few episodes ago. Sure. So I was just really unclear as I listened back. Like there was, uh, we kept repeating ourselves. Or, yeah. Or you were repeating your point, and I wasn't sure. Like I was trying to lead you to what, whatever, what your destination was, <laughs> because it's rather confusing. I don't think you want a militia. And so were you trying to lead people to say, oh, yeah, I don't want a militia either. Why do we have the, all these guns? You're like, what was your, your motive there? And, and um... Yeah, I guess I'm, I, I'm also confused by ultra-conservatives. I use the word ultra. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. But um, who want a very small federal government, but they want a massive federal army. And that's, uh, you know, if we're going to go back to the Constitution and read it rightly, that is not at all mm-hmm. uh, what our... our uh, uh, founding fathers wanted all of them. Now they disagreed about what, whether the federal government should be big or small. There was, uh, there's always been disagreements about that, but none of them wanted a federal army at all, let alone a big, massive one that mm-hmm. is what we have now. Yeah. Well, like I said, I think we're, we're talking about a, a time in history. Uh, I yes. wonder what they would say now, right? I yeah. Mean, so what, where where are we now? Right. It also yeah. reminds me of um, uh, Eisenhower and his uh, when he left. Um, office, his his famous speech where he talked about the um, military-industrial complex and, and warning against a standing army. And that's really when we started with the standing army is mm-hmm. World War II. Oh, wait a second. There's a ton of companies here who are going to be out of business if we get rid of or really scale back our federal army. And so he was saying, yeah, it doesn't matter. They need to go out of business because we are we need not to be feeding this mm-hmm. um Thing and and but we did we didn't take his advice and now it's the military industrial yeah. complex is is I think terrible I think it's terrible I think that it uh, it's good and it's bad okay yeah Fair I mean enough. I think that that we have so much power that that can be exploitive and has been yeah in other very parts much so. of the world yeah. it also um, provides uh, a lot of safety it does um, and and honestly you, you have to ask like we said. Um, uh, about federal government, who was it that said Winston Churchill? Right, um, we had, we put this in a previous episode as well. Yeah. That it's it's the worst kind of government, except Democracy for is, all yeah. the others, except for all the others. Yeah, yeah. and so it's. Uh, I, I still believe that America should have uh, a heavy influence in the world if the world is still oppressing women and children, if the world is still totalitarian and people aren't free. And you know, I just think that we should have some influence. Um, I don't think that that influence should come from military might, but I think I see the necessity. If you want to be a key player, you've got to be able to defend yourself. Um, people will try to, to knock you off your peg. Maybe. There's different ways to go about safety. One is to arm yourself so that no one comes in. But then there are other, you know, think about Switzerland. Switzerland's a pretty safe country, um, but they don't have a massive, I mean, they're, they're, they do it by being peaceful with everyone. Um, and other countries as well. I mean, are are more peaceful, and ours is yeah. probably the most war mongering so, nation. So in the, I was in the just world. in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, okay. By the way, yeah. Yeah. It's a small country. It's small. So that it's, makes a difference. It's got tons of very high mountains. Yes. And they have they have rigged every way into Switzerland by ground um, with bombs. Okay. Uh-huh. They are ready to explode their borders. Sure. At any time. Sure. 
um, and they are a heavily armed society. I saw a police officer with a submachine gun standing in the street checking people's licenses. Um, it felt, I mean, it felt kind of Gestapo-ish to me. Like, you yeah, know, I, I'm yeah. not used to seeing police officers with machine guns. Sure. Um, and, you know, people check your license. You, you can have a, a license stop, but there's not a machine gun sitting there looking at you, right? Um, and so, uh, I, and I've been told that everyone has automatic weapons in, in their homes. Okay. Um, and they don't have the same problem that we have. Right, right. But on the point of, of them being friends and neighbors, uh, that neutrality, I think, is false. Okay. Um, you know, Adolf Hitler, World War II, yeah. if there's anyone to stand against, sure. if there's ever time to make a stand, sure. um, that was the time, right? Indeed. They did not do they it. They did not. And sure. he had plans to attack and conquer Switzerland. Sure. And if he hadn't meddled with the Russians, he would have done that successfully. No doubt. No doubt. And they would have been conquered and they would have been you know, run by Gestapo, whether they say they're neutral or not. Right. Because you can't just say you're neutral if there's an oppressive imperial power that says, no, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Right. So uh, you're, you're right about that. Yeah. A, a couple points. One, um, part of what I was trying to say is that having more military might than anybody else in the world is not the only way to stay safe. There are other ways to go about that as well. The second thing, um, I think our founding fathers were, of our nation were right in saying that there are times when we need a federal government, and that's what we did. You know, when uh, when there is an oppressor, uh, some oppressor, and we need to defend our nation, or we yeah. need to go and rescue somebody, then we do raise a, a massive military, put all of our might behind them, and then go and take that out. But then to reduce the military um, significantly so that we can be more peaceful. Um, mm-hmm. that's another way to go about it. And that's, you know, so Switzerland decided, oh, Hitler's over there, but we're just going to stay out of it. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I think it's well, a mistake. I think we do that. I think our military fluctuates greatly. Does uh, it? Yeah, it does. Um, depending on who's in office and what's going on in the world. Uh, we, we either beef it up or we dial it back, but maybe not to the degree that you're speaking. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess that's a matter of degree. I think that in general, um, it, an enormous amount of our federal budget goes to the military. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so put that in terms of the Cold War, which is you know, it, sure, is over, although it might be rehashed in a different way here. Um, do you think that the arms race was important, or should we have just kind of uh, not kept up with the Russians and let them, you know, produce the most power? Yeah, that's a good question. I really don't know. I, I don't know enough about the uh, politics and the you know, State Department uh-huh. uh, kinds of uh, diplomacy and military might and all those weapons. and Yeah, so I think when we look at communism and mm-hmm. uh, and Stalin and Lenin and uh, you look at uh, Adolf Hitler, you look at the Japanese in World War II, yeah. there was a very clear, we're going to colonize and expand sure. our territory and our influence sure. and we're going to control the world. Sure, sure. And I think it was vital in the Cold War that we we had to play that game. We had to stay uh, competitive in in, in uh, keeping with the Russians, uh, so that there was always the equal power, and hopefully at some point a bigger power. And I think that you know America, I think, could be criticized as being imperialistic in certain ways, right? Sure, oh, of course. I think, and I think we need to expose those things. I think yeah. people need to talk about them. Yeah, the ways that we have 
made war for oil or yes, yes, um, yes, or yes. That, or that maybe are influenced. You know, I, what were we trying to do in Afghanistan? I don't know if that qualifies or not. Um, I'm not educated enough to know. But those kinds of things sure, where we sure. where our influence maybe maybe isn't isn't welcome and isn't needed. Right. And so we're trying to be imperialistic in influence or or controlling economies. Yeah. Right. I know that U.S. companies have caused all kinds of oppressive forces in other oh, yeah. in other parts of the world. And so I think that is a very valid criticism. Yeah. But we're not in the habit of taking people's land like we see Russia trying to conquer Ukraine. That's true. And so in that way, I say, you know, I, I think we need to be uh, not the world police, but we need to have a powerful nation. Mm-hmm. That, that can't be meddled with because there's just too many people trying to conquer and take more for themselves. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, so the Cold War, I think we needed that. We needed to be a part of the arms race. We needed a big go- uh, government with big military and big power. Would you say no? Uh, I, I don't. That's, again, I don't know enough about yeah. it. Yeah, I could be wrong. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, we're just two uh, dudes spitballing here. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would want to, I don't know, I don't know enough to know if all, I'm always going to be on the side of using diplomacy. Sure. And peaceful things. Sure. Uh, bef- you know, as much as possible and only on, you know, violence is always the last resort. Mm-hmm. When you have, uh, as Eisenhower said, when you have a, a, a military-industrial complex, if you have a really, really big stick, the person who's holding that stick is going to be really itching to use it somewhere. Mm. And uh, and I know that that's true, because mm-hmm. that, that's their job. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when you have, you know, like when we talked about with a gun, if, if I've got a gun in my pocket or in my holster and I feel threatened, uh, the chances that I'm going to use that, use violence... It, you know, increase exponentially when I've got something like that instead of trying to pursue peace. Now, maybe I'll try and pursue peace for a little bit, but then, you know what, I, I don't have to, I don't have to, if I, you know, maybe this peace isn't working out. I'm going to go ahead and shoot. If I didn't have a gun, it's less likely, maybe I'll get victimized. I don't mm-hmm. want that to happen. I don't want anyone to be a victim. But you're going to be more likely to pursue peace. It's it's a difficult, yeah. it's a difficult thing. You know, two episodes ago, uh, when we were talking about regulating guns and, and training people and making sure that, that, that it wasn't just the free-for-all that we have now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, I think we both recognize that's a huge problem. Yeah. It's crazy how, how easily you can just go and purchase a gun and use it. Totally. Um, and this is, this is a deadly weapon. There needs yeah. to be training and, and regulation and maybe the insurance policy you're talking about. Well, one of our listeners... Uh, sent a, a link to a recent article of uh, an active shooter in a mall that was uh, that was um, neutralized by by the good guy you know mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. one of your myths that it doesn't, doesn't the good guys don't oh. stop that but and what the police noted was how technically sound these people were right right with, with their guns um, to to do what was good yeah preventing evil yes yeah. so technically sound that I would was the person well trained? Yeah, that's what the, that the article was saying. They, they, they were like professional. Okay, They're, so there t- we go. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Which is so the good yeah. guy with a gun is not just having a good heart. It's not just like I'm a family guy. I'm a regular Joe right. with a gun. That's not what it is. I know that I'm not that person. I don't want to have a gun because I'm going to do something stupid with it. I'm a good guy, but a good guy with a gun is not what we need. We need a good guy who has an enormous amount of training and skill and practice. That's the guy who's going to stop the bad guy. Yeah. 
I don't know. You might have overstated that, but that's okay. You understand what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, though? Yeah, I get your point. How much training is... So, some training, some training. Yeah. Some training would be good. <laughs> and right now, <laughs> yeah. we don't have any. Not, none, 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 none that is required. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying... You say you don't want a disarmed society. You don't want to get rid of guns. And that's yet, right. um, I feel like that's where you're trying to head with some... of At least in the last episode. I was yeah, just curious yeah, if that's yeah. where you're trying to... To nuance your way to that destination, but yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't think a disarmed society, but I think that we are way, way, way overarmed yeah. now. I got you. Yeah. Well, thanks for clarifying. I hope that's helpful. Um, yeah. Write <laughs> to us. Talk, and we can talk about it. Complain, complain to us, and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk some more about it. <laughs> Someone educate us about the Cold War. <laughs> for listening to the hopper podcast you made it to the end of this week's episode congratulations you win a bucket of kitty litter yeah to claim your prize write to us at the hopper podcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 214-267-9287 join us next time when we will discuss real museums that should not exist there are a lot of those there sure are be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by Deodorant Wizard. It's magically odorific.